guys are looking good this morning. Do you know that? You say thank you. All right, good. Please turn with me to John chapter 2. Today we're going to be in verses 13 through 25. And it's almost about time. Uh, this event happens in my life minimum twice a year, in a good year, three or four times. Uh, but it's time. It is time for me to gut my garage. All right? I don't know about you guys. Like, we rarely go in the front door. We pull up in the driveway, open the garage door, through the garage, into the mudroom, into the kitchen. So things get dropped off there, or we need to take it out to the car, and then it gets left there. I don't know about you guys, right? Um, do you guys have a gizmo and gadget drawer in your kitchen? You know, where a bunch of odds and ends, right? There's stuff that's supposed to be in there that are in the garage. Uh, there's random things that I keep walking by, like, why is this here? Now, 90, and I know Carrie's watching, 99% of it is me. I know that. You know, I drop things off. <clears throat> but it's about time where I need to kind of clear everything out, reorganize, and it looks phenomenal for like two hours. <laughs> right? And then, yep, drop here, this is there. Uh, but there's times that I'm like, that doesn't belong there. It needs to go back somewhere in the house. It needs to come back to the office, into the dumpster, uh, whatever. <clears throat> but it's about that time. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And we've got some stuff to get back to my in-laws. Uh, so it's about time. But, but once in a while, things in our life show up that don't belong there anymore. Uh, or don't belong there at all. <clears throat> and we're going to take a look at this passage where Jesus shows up to the temple during Passover and he is going to get a little irritated because there are some things going on that aren't supposed to be going on. There are some things in the temple that aren't supposed to be in the temple. So read with me John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. And it goes like this. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and, sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered what was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So here is Jesus showing up to the temple now, the sale of, of cattle and sheep and, and pigeons and doves were, were common because for Passover especially, you had those traveling, you had pilgrims who were arriving to the temple. They weren't bringing all of their sacrificial animals with them. They needed to purchase something uh, for the temple. There's also the temple tax. And so... Whatever foreign exchange they had, whatever region they came in with different money, they needed to exchange that uh, for the proper coinage to pay for the taxes for the temple. The problem is, is that some of the temple leaders got a little greedy 
and started jacking up the prices of the sheep and the lamb and some of the pigeons and the big ox, you know, kept going. Does that sound familiar? You know, toilet paper, whatever. So they're raising prices. Okay, the money exchangers are like, well, let's raise the exchange rate. We can pocket a little bit. So it was getting very problematic and a lot of things going on at at the temple that weren't supposed to happen at the temple. it should have been an easy exchange to be there for a ministry for those who needed to just participate in Passover. <clears throat> but it wasn't happening. There was a lot of money exchanging, a lot of, of really bad loan sharks getting in the business of what was going on. And Jesus had enough. Uh, he was not going to deal with that. And here's where most of that happened in the court of the Gentiles, to where it really should have been possibly a ministry to the Gentiles who were there instead of them kind of being pushed out and around from all the, the pens of animals and, and all the, the exchange of money going on. So there's a problem going on, and there are some things in the temple that aren't supposed to be there uh, that has caused the purpose for the temple, the worship of God, uh, to, be, uh, to, to be a distraction and to, be, to cause that to not happen. So Jesus' zeal is what I want to talk about. The word zeal, the the passion that Jesus had for his father's house, and then how that relates to our corporate worship as we meet this morning, uh, and then even our personal worship um, as we are called to be the temple of God in our relationship with him. So how does Jesus' zeal apply not only in this story, but to our church and to our personal lives? So things are going on or things were going on in the temple that weren't supposed to happen, and Jesus wasn't going to put up with that. He says in verse 16, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade, or basically a shopping mall. People shouldn't be showing up to go shopping, you know, well, I tried to raise this lamb at home, it, it has a few blemishes, maybe I can get one with just one blemish, you know, I know I'll have to pay the, the going rate, uh, but it, it became a distraction, and it was getting to where they weren't showing up intentionally to come and worship the Father. And Jesus knew that. And that zeal uh, caused the disciples, his, Jesus' reaction uh, to gut the temple, reminded the disciples from Psalm 69, verse 9, where David the king says, The zeal of your house has consumed me, and the reproaches or scorn of those who reproach you have fallen on me. So here's this word zeal. Zeal is an intense emotion compelling action. Uh, It's an emotion that is deeply stirring or ungovernable. Uh, The King James Version says, eating me up inside has something really gotten to you that it has just torn you up inside um, and caused you this deep passion and zeal for whatever the situation is. Uh, Some other words, passion, fervor, enthusiasm, um, and Here's what Jesus, he knew that this was serious. And his father's house was a holy place. And he wasn't going to put up with that. Are there some things that you are zealous about? Are there some things that that you have an an immense amount of zeal for? Uh, One go-to thing that can be seen outwardly is sports, right? Um, I was always the loud parent at actually Carrie and I both. I mean, the cowbells, the works. Uh, any of the sports the boys did, annoyed them a little bit, especially when they were younger, appreciated it more when they were high school. 
Uh, Cameron and Ryan played soccer at Westlake High School. Uh, so between the two of them, it was six years of Westlake High School that we went to every home game we could. Uh, and can I tell you, my zeal never changed, even for the fact that out of six years of, or six seasons at Westlake High School soccer, they might have won five games, like out of the whole six years. Like, it was bad. But I love my boys, and I'm going to be the loud parent, and, and I'm going to cheer them on. So my zeal was there. There's other people, and I know you might have one in your home, who is at home watching NFL, NBA, whatever, and they get a little overzealous, right? Um, I got to go to a conference with some people, uh, and we went to this conference, and there happened to be a Dallas and Redskins game on for lunch. So we decided to go out to, to lunch so we could enjoy the game, right, in public, okay, lots of other people in the restaurant. Are you getting the picture of this restaurant? Uh, game's going on, and there was a play. I think it was probably a turnover or something uh, where Redskins got the ball. Well, guess what? You guys know I'm a Cowboys fan, right? So it's really this angst while we're watching. Whatever play happened, because it's forgettable stuff with the Redskins anyway. Um, you can see me after church. Um, anyway, I shouldn't have gone there, but I did. Um, Wait, it's not even risky. No, never mind. I'm just going to stop there. Anyway, something happened, right? <clears throat> this person got a little zealous, and we're at the, the table, and it's like, yes! And the, I hope some of you woke up just now. <laughs> but it was that loud, that hard to where, like, cups on the table were bouncing a little bit, right? And so this person's very zealous, extremely zealous, to the point that this poor seven-year-old boy that was sitting next to us probably broke out into tears <laughs> out of fear for the zealousness of this person that I had lunch with. And 20 bucks, by the way, will get you the name of the person I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Oh, wait, that's doing money. Never mind. <laughs> I'm a sinner saved by grace. <laughs> All right. Anyway, zealousness, right? There's zealousness in our life. There are things that we are passionate about. Jesus was extremely zealous and passionate about the Lord's house and about the worship, the pure worship, that should really happen. And his level of disappointment and disapproval was through the roof, where he is like, what in the world are you guys doing? Uh, this is not going to happen. So he cleans house. He makes this homemade whip, and he starts clearing everyone out. Uh, overturning tables, clearing everything out, like this is not going to happen in my father's house. This is not going to happen in a place that's supposed to be for worship, and for prayer and for sacrifices to happen, uh, we have gotten way off track. And so Jesus is, is cleaning house. And can you imagine the chaos? I mean, ox are big animals, let alone the sheep, uh, the pigeons. Could you imagine the, country, the county fair? I uh, always used to love taking the boys through there. Could you imagine if all the pens and gates were open and you just kind of let them run through? Uh, it would be chaos. Uh, but that was more important uh, to what Jesus needed to do than, you know, the, the money that was being made by those who were selling. Uh, so the zealousness of Jesus is real. And does that really fit with our picture of Jesus? Uh, we always picture a very calm um, and, and polite man as Jesus. We imagine from Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Uh, and this, that he gives grace upon grace, right? 
That is Jesus, absolutely. Uh, the greatest peace and love that we will ever receive is from Christ. But then he also baptizes with fire. In Luke 3, it says his winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And in Hebrews, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is Jesus. There is no room for sin. There is no room for something that doesn't belong in our life, in the life of our church, in the life and situation of this temple. Jesus isn't going to put up with it. God's not going to put up with it. He had to clean the house because the distraction of worship and that relationship was gone because of everything that was going on. So pure worship. Uh, Jesus' point is that his passion, his zeal, was for the pure worship of, of what was supposed to happen in the temple. Uh, a place for prayer, for offering. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It doesn't say enter his gates while trying to get around the oxen and dodging sheep and enter his courts while you're ducking flying pigeons, right? That's not what it's supposed to be. It's about us showing up to the temple, to church, entering his gates with thanksgiving without distraction, uh, without things that aren't where they're supposed to be, uh, and having a pure worship experience. And by the way, let's not miss this picture of what Jesus has done in the temple. Uh, going back from our beginning times in John, that Jesus is the light. And what does the light do? We've talked about this. Exposes the things in the darkness, especially things that aren't supposed to be there. Jesus says the light, exposing the religiosity and greed of the Jewish leaders, uh, that there's something wrong here that needs to be corrected and fixed. He's also giving us a picture of his sacrifice in, uh, on the cross which will eliminate the need for any other blood sacrifice. Uh, that Christ's blood alone is going to cover any of the sacrifice that we need uh, because of his perfect blood. And that takes care of all of our sin. We don't have to show up to the temple anymore uh, buying the best lamb and the best ox and whatever for sacrifice. Christ's shed blood has covered that. And that's where this picture is uh, when he talks about destroying the temple in three days that he will raise it up. Uh, so here's not only cleaning out the temple in the current situation, but what's coming is that we have access to the Father because of Christ's shed blood. Uh, that there's no need for animal sacrifice. His blood has covered all of that in our sins. So then we look at this picture of the zeal of Jesus in the temple. What does that look like for us? What does that look like for our corporate worship in this moment right now in this room here at First Baptist Church of Waldorf. And Jesus said, do not make my father's house a house of trade. Uh, the things that weren't going on correctly in the temple and the, the things that were, that were misplaced, are there things at First Baptist Waldorf that don't belong? Are there attitudes? Are there mindsets? Are there things that we bring to here that shouldn't belong? Are there things that are distracting us? that are causing us not to truly, purely worship the Father uh, and, and glorifying the Son and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And so Jesus was zealous that day for his Father's house. And the temple is supposed to be a place to come and to worship. And have we shown up this morning ready to come and worship without distraction? Um, 
do you realize that this is one of the best places to be in all of Waldorf? It is the right place to be because we're coming together corporately to worship the Lord. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Uh, very clear, very plain. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Have we come this morning knowing that our greatest desire is in this opportunity that we have to worship together, to worship Christ? Uh, did we show up this morning with that attitude? But our focus has been sometimes misplaced, and our focus is on the wrong things and these distractions. And Jesus knows this about us. Um, he knows that. Even in verse 25, he himself knew that what was in man. So Jesus knows, knows these things and realizes that there's sometimes we've got to get rid of the distraction, and we've got to allow him to get rid of that distraction. And what would Jesus say if he came to visit our church? What would he say when he came and looked into our heart and our attitude this morning? Would he be pleased with our worship? Would he smile and look at the way that we are treating one another and encouraging one another? Would he approve of our heart for the lost? Would he approve of the way that we are taking care of our finances and the stewardship uh, that, that we have been given uh, to glorify him? Are we doing all that we can to allow Christ Jesus to be in the forefront of all that we do? Read with me Psalm 100, very familiar, very familiar, very familiar, uh, and I will read this to you. But did we show up in an attitude of worship like this? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Did we wake up this morning, get ready, get dressed, grab the kids, load up the car, and arrive here ready and intentionally to ready, readying our heart to worship Jesus this morning? Did we come into the Father's house to give him all praise, honor, and glory? Or were we distracted? Were the things that, that we've got to deal with? Um, even from home to here, did we show up and are worried about, oh, do I have to sit by so-and-so in Bible study? Or my favorite seat in the worship center is taken? Or, you know, whatever. Have we allowed things to get in the way and to be where they're not supposed to be? And so here's this picture of Jesus showing up and knowing that that. He has a zeal, a passion for our worship. He has a zeal and a passion for what happens here at First Baptist Church in Waldorf, every single church that's meeting today around the world. He has a passion and a zeal for. And let me read you this, because I'm so guilty of this, because I want everything laid out in my mind, the way I want it to be, the way I think it should be. But here's this. True worship is not what we think worship is, but what God thinks. It's not what we desire to do, but what God desires. Did we show up ready to listen, or were, did we show up ready to, to give our two cents worth of what this morning should have looked like? 
Should we, did we show up ready to allow God to move our hearts in the direction that he wanted, or did we get distracted with everything else that's going on in our, in our life and in our heart? Um, so true worship is not what we think worship is, but what God thinks. And then there's our personal worship. So we've looked at Jesus' reaction to the temple and his zeal, the zeal and passion he has for our church, but then there's his zeal and passion for our personal worship. Because here's the thing. He mentioned and alluded to the fact of what is going to come, uh, that his body will be destroyed and he will raise it again in three days. That sacrifice on the cross, uh, that situation where he has allowed himself uh, to be our greatest sacrifice, that he would rise again in three days. In verse 19, Jesus answered, then destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to rebuild this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So here's Jesus' sacrificial death is where heaven and earth truly come together. It's not a temple. It's not a worship experience. It's not a Bible study. It's not a sermon. It's not religion. It's a personal relationship. Um, Christ came to be the Messiah, to die for our sins, to allow us direct access to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's a personal relationship with Jesus. Turn with me to John 4, verses 20 to 23. Here's a picture of what this looks like, that we don't need the temple anymore. We don't need to, to have a certain particular place at a particular time to worship Jesus, uh, to worship the Father. We've been allowed now access to the Father everywhere that we go. And so here is the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and John 4, verses 20 to 23, says this, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that, that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. So the Samaritan woman is like, you know, I, I, there's a place that I have to go, um, that it's either on the mountain or in Jerusalem. But Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So now we have access to the Father. We have, through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, access to the Father and we have worship anywhere and everywhere we go. Jesus as our Lord and Savior has given us access to the Father. And God's dwelling in us. When God dwells in us, we are his temple. First uh, Corinthians 6 says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So now, do we want the zeal of Jesus in our life? Are we ready to allow him to come in and clean house if he needs to in our heart? Are we truly ready for that? Are we glorifying God in our life? Are we willing to pray this prayer? Lord, is my life pleasing to you? Is my love for you genuine? Where would you clean house in my life if I gave you full reign? Are you ready to pray that prayer? Because as a temple, as, as God indwelling in us, 
Jesus as Lord has the right to come in and clean house. And does he need to? He does in my life, in my heart. Are there some things that we have kind of let overtake our life that has distracted us from pure worship? Um, Jesus loves us so much that the, the zeal that he has, the passion that he has for us, is out of love. He doesn't want us in sin. He doesn't want us hanging on to things that aren't supposed to be there. Uh, he didn't sit there and, and show up to the temple that day and say, well, you know what? I'm not really going to have make a mess out of this. You know, you guys just give a little bit more to the church. Make sure you tithe. No, he didn't make a deal with them. He knew that it was wrong. Every little bit. And he doesn't want any little bit of sin in our life. Uh, he paid too much of a sacrifice for that. And we need to be willing to give our life completely over to him. Every aspect, every corner, every nook and cranny of our life. There are some things that are getting in the way. Um, and I know that. And that's part of this faith growth process. It is farther, part of that continued depth of belief that we have in Jesus. Uh, that he is faithful and he loves us and his zeal for us is overwhelming, uh, that we need to be willing to give our lives over to him. Romans 12, 1 paints a beautiful picture of our personal worship. I appeal to you, to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, my body is not holy and acceptable. I know that, but it's Christ in me. It is my relationship with God who, who is at work in my life, but I've got to be willing. I've got to be able to say, Lord, take everything. Uh, help me to show up, not only on Sunday mornings for worship, uh, but as I wake up every morning, as I go to sleep at night, everything that I do that continue to glorify you and to give you more of my life and to find things that are distracting to allow Jesus to come in and cleanse our heart and get rid of the distractions. Uh, so as we close in prayer, I pray that we continue to seek after him, keep our eyes focused on Jesus, and knowing that he has the greatest, uh, the greatest plan for our life, and that includes him at work in every aspect of our life, uh, not allowing things to get in the way of the pure worship that we can have with him. Father, I thank you for this morning, that you continue to do a work in our life, you continue to allow us to see who Jesus is as we walk through this book of John, uh, to continue to see his glory, to see his love and desire for us, uh, that so much so that he died and gave his life for us. Father, that his shed blood wiped away all of our sin, that took away any need for any other sacrifice, uh, that his blood has covered it all, and then he rose again to conquer sin and death. Father, I pray for someone in this room who doesn't know that, who doesn't have a full saving knowledge of Christ as Savior, uh, that you would break their heart this morning, that you would just pierce them with your truth and allow them to see uh, your glory. Father, I thank you for this time that you continue to work in our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply 